Appreciate that good singing. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter number 25 tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 25. Uh, if you say, Preacher, where do I find that? You find it right before 2 Samuel. I ain't even going to charge a cover fee at the door for that kind of brilliant comedy. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter number 25. And I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1. Now, I don't want to scare you, but we're going to use 42 verses but we're not going to read all 42. We're going to read about half that and then go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Uh, and I want to preach to you tonight on uh, an interaction that takes place between King David. He's not a king at this time. He's still on the run uh, from the hostility of King Saul. Uh, but I want to preach to you about a, an interaction he has with a man by the name of Nabal. First Samuel chapter 25. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And Samuel died... And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep and a 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shearers. Now thy shepherds, which were with us, we hurt them not. Neither was there aught missing unto them. All the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many masters nowadays that break away every man from his master. or many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. David said unto his men, Gird ye every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about four hundred men, and two hundred abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything. As long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields, they were a wall unto us, both by night and day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves, two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. 
And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him. And he hath requited me evil for good. Let's stop there and pray tonight. Father, I want to thank you tonight for the church. Lord, I thank you we have a place we can gather. Lord, I don't mean the the building. I don't mean the the studs and, and the roof and the shingles and the carpet. Lord, I mean that there is a body. There is a group of believers that we can come into the midst of and we can worship you, Lord, and find here uh, kindred spirits, Lord, and fellowship in the gospel and in your word. Lord, let us never take for granted what a privilege that is. Lord, I pray that you'd take NYCHA to natural word and that, Lord, you'd use it in our hearts and minds. Teach us a spiritual and an eternal truth from your word uh, that we might, Lord, uh, file it in our hearts and minds. Lord, may we tonight use it if it if it balms and soothes our soul. Lord, may it also be something that becomes a part of our biblical understanding, something that molds and shapes our interactions with the world around us and with you. Lord, may it be, uh, Lord, not only present truth, but prospective truth in our lives that it may bear fruit for many years to come. And we'll be sure to thank you for what is accomplished. Lord, we love you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we read a lot of scripture there and we're going to read a little more in the course of preaching uh, tonight. But uh, we have essentially read the story of an interaction between King David and a man by the name of Nabal. Nabal was a wealthy man, but the Bible says he was a churlish man. In other words, he was an inconsiderate man. He was a rude man. Uh, the Bible uses the term son of Belial, and Belial was a name for the devil or, or for the pagan god uh, Baal, but it was associated with the devil and uncleanness uh, in the Old Testament. And uh, they, uh, whenever David comes to Nabal, he approaches him and he desires to ask, uh, we might call it a favor, although I don't think David was really thinking that way. I think he was thinking it was owed to him from Nabal. But he comes to Nabal in a day when Nabal's men are shearing their sheep. Now you might have read that and wondered why such a big deal is made out of that. Well, because for a man like Nabal whose wealth was concentrated in his livestock and in his sheep and the shearing of them, on this day or at this approximate time would have been the time when he would have uh, reaped the benefit of a year of, of raising these sheep and providing and protecting them. David uses the term, he says, we've come in a good day. What he means by that is we've come at a convenient time. We've not come asking help uh, when all your bills are due and you ain't got nothing in the barns. We've come at a time that is convenient for you. You ought to be flush with the blessings. Uh, he uses the term prosperity. He says you dwell in prosperity. David comes to Nabal with this simple proposition or this simple thought. He says to Nabal by way of his servants, you know, I have watched over your men, your uh, your shepherds out in the wilderness. And during that time, it would have been easy for us to take advantage of them as many people do. It would have been easy for us to throw in with the highwaymen and the robbers and the bandits and uh, make spoil of them. But we've not done that. We've been very kind to them. We've tried to be considerate to them. Uh, in fact, later on, when one of the young men bears testimony to it, he says that uh, David's men were a wall to them by day and by night. And so David says, we've been very kind to them. And now, Nabal, I'm asking you to please repay that kindness to us. We are in a situation where we have need of provision. We've come to you at a time when it ought not be too much to ask that you would uh, give some of the meat and give some of the uh, money and give some of the supplies and some of the sustenance that you're going to get from shearing your sheep that you give it to, to my men that we might be able to be sustained out here in the wilderness. 
Well, Nabal's response to that is the response of many today, I think, when folks are kind to him. He looks at David and he says, or he looks at the young men, he says, who's David? Now, it's not that he didn't know who David was, because here in a moment he says, who's the son of Jesse? And a moment after that he says, there be many servants that break away from their master in these days. He knows who David is. He knows what's going on in David's life. What he really meant was not who is David. What he really meant was who does David think he is? How dare he come to me and ask for this? And we could maybe read a little bit more between the lines because uh, Nabal essentially says to him, why should I take that which I provided for my shearers and for my uh, you know servants and give it to you? He really says this, who does David think he is and why does he think that I would give him anything when I don't have to? Uh, David's response, and we'll see a little stronger here in a few moments, is, is pretty clear even in the first verse down there. He turns and when he gets news of this, he looks at his men, he says, put your swords on. Later on, he's going to say that he had every intention of going and killing Nabal and everybody that belonged to Nabal because he's angry at the way that Nabal has treated him. Uh, before that can happen, Nabal's wife, Abigail, who we learn from the Scripture, probably the best of all of David's wives. Uh, she was uh, certainly seen the most righteous and the most godly. Uh, we could say a lot about Bathsheba and her influence upon Solomon. I don't know that any of David's wives ever rose to the spiritual uh, plane that Abigail does in this passage. We'll read it here in a moment. But she goes to David and, and she wants to make things right. She goes and tells David she brings a great gift and gives it to David and says, you know, David, listen, I, I'm sorry, my son, or my, my son, listen to that. My, some of you wives feel like you're talking about your child, amen. But she comes and says, I'm sorry about what my husband said. He's ignorant, he's rude, he don't know what's best for him. But I've come to you to apologize for him, and I brought you this great gift. And she goes on, we'll read it here in a moment, and, and describes how God's working in David's life and so on and so forth. But what I'm interested in is the statement that David makes in verse 21 where we stopped our reading. Look with me in verse 21. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him. And he hath requited me evil for good. I want to preach to you tonight on this thought. Wasted kindness. Wasted kindness. If we could summarize what David says here, he basically says, well boy, all that time we spent protecting Nabal was a waste, wasn't it? We were good to him, we were kind to him, we were patient with him, but after I extended all of this kindness to him, he didn't appreciate any of it. Instead, he treated me like a low-down dog. David is angry that he has been treated this way. I wonder if you ever feel like your kindness has been wasted on people. Can I just be a little honest with you tonight? There's been times I've felt like my kindness has been wasted. There's been times that I've done for folk and they didn't appreciate it. That ever happened to you? Oh, I know that's never happened to you, but that's probably because you're the one doing it. Somebody say amen to that. you got to do for other folks before you can be treated the way David was. But but I, you've probably had this happen in your There's been times I've done for folks and they didn't appreciate it. And there's probably not much that makes you feel worse than feeling like you have been made a fool of, taken advantage of, that you did something for somebody, and they got everything they could out of you and then turned around and walked away without so much as a thank you. That's how David feels in this passage. But I believe we'll find out before we're done in the preaching tonight, if we read a little further in the chapter, you know what I believe we'll find out? I, will, I believe we'll find out that God made sure that David's kindness was not wasted. 
Can I say to you tonight that when we're kind in the name and person of the Lord Jesus Christ, for His sake and for His good pleasure, I don't believe that kindness is ever wasted. I believe God will always take and turn that kindness to our benefit and to His glory. And I think we see that here in the passage. Now, when I read this passage, I see first off three wrong conclusions or assumptions that David makes. There are three things that he expects out of life that I'm sorry, they just don't turn out to be the way that he hopes. I want you to notice them with me because sometimes I think the reason that we're let down is because we have high expectations in the first place. I think sometimes a dose of reality might help us. And I think David, he had some high hopes. Notice what they were. Look back at verse number 5. The Bible says, And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shearers. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not. Neither was there aught missing unto them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men, he's talking about his own men, let the young men find favor in thine eyes. For we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son David. You know what David's first wrong conclusion was? That his kindness that was shown would be victorious. So what do you mean, preacher? Well, you was probably taught growing up, and I was taught growing up, that kindness is always the best course. Don't you believe that tonight? Don't you believe the Lord's honored by us being kind, us being long-suffering, us being patient? But sometimes, you know, when we try to paint uh, inside the lines and paint by colors in the raising of our children, sometimes when we don't give the appropriate nuance, we can lead our children to believe that their kindness will always let them win the day in whatever conflict they're in. Can I give you just a rude truth tonight? I mean, it's just basic and I'm just going to tell you. There's going to be days when your kindness is not victorious. There's going to be times when you are kind to people and they will not appreciate it. See, David had this basic elementary thought. If I'm nice to them, they'll be nice to me. Does the world really work that way? I would say this tonight. You can look around. You can watch television. You can walk up and down the street. Hey, you ought to drive in Knoxville sometime. And you know what you'll find? You'll find that just because you are kind to people, that does not mean that that kindness is always going to win the day. There are people in this world that are out to get anything they can get and they'll take advantage of you every turn, every chance, every opportunity they have. He made this conclusion that his kindness that was shown would be victorious. He thought that was appropriate. He thought, hey, this is going to work. But sadly, it did not. Here's a second uh, wrong conclusion he makes. Look down at verse number 13. David said unto his men, Gird ye every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stud. Look down in verse 22. We didn't read this far. Verse 22 says that David made this statement. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. Now what's he saying? He's saying, boys, strap your swords on. We're going to go settle this ourselves. We're going to go take their head off. We're going to teach them a lesson. We're going to show them that you don't talk. To David that way. Was David in line? I don't believe he was. I believe he was out of line. But you know the wrong assumption he made? First, that his kindness that was shown would be victorious. But number two, that his kindness that was scorned demands vengeance. i tell you what we want to do when somebody mistreats us. We're going to turn right back around and mistreat them twice as bad. 
We're going to show them, man. We're going to teach them you don't treat us that way. We're going to show them what happens when you mess with us. You say, preacher, I feel that way sometimes. Well, you're in good company. So did David. David said, we're going to go down there and teach that Nabal a lesson and he won't ever talk that way to me. But can I ask you something tonight? Is God honored by that spirit and attitude? I don't like the answer any more than you, but I'll go ahead and give it to you. He's not honored by that. He's not pleased with that. My flesh don't like that any better than yours does. People do me wrong. I want to go and do them wrong. I want to, I want to make them pay just like David did. But the reality is David would have hurt himself and we'll notice that before we're done tonight. But he would have hurt himself more than he would have hurt Nabal had he took vengeance into his own hands and tried to go and exact a price against Nabal. There's a third uh, assumption that he makes and it's incorrect. We read it in verse 21, our, our text verse. David said, surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness. I would say this, the first wrong conclusion he he drew is that his kindness that was shown would be victorious. It is not always the case. People are not always going to appreciate you. The second is that his kindness that was scorned demanded vengeance. He thought, well now I have every right to go and to kill this man and slay this man and get my revenge on him for treating me this way. But David was wrong about that. The Bible says, vengeance belongeth unto me, saith the Lord, I will repay. Vengeance don't belong to you. When you take vengeance into your own hands, you're stealing from God. That belongs to Him. It is His every right. You say, why is that, preacher? Because you and I belong to Him. You and I belong to Him. When we're mistreated, a servant of God is mistreated. A son of God is mistreated. A child of God is mistreated. And we don't have the right to take vengeance. Why? Because we belong to Him. We are His property. We are His child. We are His person. Then I would say the third one is this. He, he just assumed, he just believed because of this that his kindness that was spent was in vain. He thought that meant that nothing good could come out of it if the person that he was kind to did not give him anything good as a response to it. You know the problem in David's whole way of thinking here? He forgot about somebody. He's thinking about himself. He's thinking about the shepherds. He's thinking about his soldiers. He's sure enough thinking about Nabal. He might even be thinking about Abigail. I don't know. But somebody David forgot. He never stopped and thought about how God felt about all this. See, the truth is that equation involves more than just David and Nabal. More than his soldiers and Nabal's shepherds. More than Abigail. More than these people. God had an opinion about what happened to David. So there are three wrong conclusions that he draws. And then I would say this. There is one true revelation that David learns. And that is that his kindness that was sincere would be vindicated. In other words, though Nabal did not care, though Nabal was not interested in repaying that kindness, we find when we read through this passage that God paid attention to it. God took note of it. And God rewarded the kindness of David because David had been kind in the right spirit. Can I say tonight, there's going to be people ain't going to appreciate what you do for them, but God takes note of it. And I don't, listen, I'm not trying to be hard on you, but I might as well tell you the truth. You drove all the way here anyway. I might as well just tell you the truth. Listen, but it ain't about them. It's about the Lord and Him being pleased with our life. David would have been, if his mentality had been, all I want to do is please God, he would have never got tore up the way that he did. Now, I know it's human to get tore up. I'm no better than him. I'm no better than you. I get tore up and upset and all out of sorts when people mistreat me. I'm not saying I've already attained or already perfect and have apprehended. All I'm saying tonight is if David and if you and if me, if we do what we do to please and honor God instead of to get something out of it, we wouldn't be quite so disappointed when we don't get nothing temporally, earthly out of it. 
he would have recognized, you know, no matter what Nabal thinks about this, God is honored by it. And if God is pleased, then I am pleased. But you know, when we read through this passage, we find we don't even have to reach into the realm of eternity. We don't have to climb up into heaven to pull down the things that God did for David. We find even in this very passage that God rewarded David's kindness in five ways. I want you to notice them with me tonight. Now, look back at verse number 14 with me. The Bible says, But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, meaning David's men, they treated us well. They they were good to us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the field. They were a wall unto us both by night and day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Number one tonight, I'd say this, God rewarded David's kindness with praise. So what do you mean, preacher? I'm sure David, when he approached Nabal, he, he may have even thought Nabal was not aware of it. And here's how he anticipated the conversation. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I know people well enough. I can tell you, Brother Ken, how he thought this was going to go. He thought these young men were going to go to Nabal and say, uh, Nabal, we salute thee, peace be unto thee, and prosper, and da, 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 da. Now let's get to the business, Nabal. Listen, we've been real good to your shepherds. I mean, we've watched over them. We've kept them safe. They ain't lost nothing. And you couldn't even be shearing these sheep, Nabal, had we not been so good to you. And so what we desire from you, Nabal, is that you would repay that kindness by giving us a little bit of provisions while we're out here in the wilderness. Now, here's the story that David saw in his mind. Nabal would say, well, my soul, I'd had no idea that David had been so good to us. I, I wondered why it was that the shepherds were doing so well. And I noticed when I was taking inventory, we hadn't lost a, a single sheep. And I had heard people coming to me and telling me about all the good things that these soldiers of David had done. And I, I'm just, I'm just blessed. I mean, it blessed my socks off, David, to know how good you've been to us. That's how he thought it was going to go. We read in our text, that ain't how it went. Instead, instead Nabal looks, he says, who's David? You think I care about pesky little David? You think he's any business to me? Who's the son of Jesse? Jesse ain't nobody. I don't care. There be many servants that break away from their master. He ain't nothing but a rogue and a bandit. I'm not interested in him. You boys hit the bricks before I teach you something. And off they go. But you know at that same time, though Nabal did not care what David had done for him, though they did not find an audience of appreciation for the kindness that David had shown, the Bible tells us that one of these young men went to Abigail and said, listen, you, our master Nabal, he's about to get us in a mess, but you know, if we're being honest, he don't know what he's talking about. I saw how these men protected us. I was with them out in the field. They were kind to us. They were good to us. And this man, though Nabal either did not know or did not care to know about the kindness that David had shown, God made sure there was somebody that saw it, somebody that noticed it, somebody that made a record of it. Listen, and somebody that testified of it to somebody else. Can I tell you tonight, it might be the person you're good to don't never notice how good you are to them. But you know, God will make sure that the right person at the right moment sees that kindness that you've extended and it'll be a testimony and a witness to them of the grace of God and the goodness of God in your heart and in your life. E even if no one on this side of glory even notices, you know that God in heaven knows what's happening. But I'm saying God made sure there's somebody down here that did notice the goodness that David had shown unto him. And so I would say this, we often think, part of the reason we think it's in vain is we think nobody noticed. There's very little you or I do that nobody notices. 
There's very little that you and I do that there ain't somebody notices what we've done. And you know what I find interesting, man? This is amazing to me. David's men already knew about it, but it was somebody in Nabal's life that noticed the kindness of David to him. In other words, Nabal didn't pay no attention, but somebody that belonged to Nabal did. You know, the person you're kind to may never notice, but chances are somebody that has watched that kindness from their family will take notice of the goodness that you've shown in their life. The reason we get discouraged, we say don't nobody know, is we forget about the one that sees all things. And God saw and noted and rewarded the kindness of David. Let me show you a second one. He rewarded his kindness with praise. Look down at verse number 18. The Bible says, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal, And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her and she met them. Now look down in verse 23. This is the exchange, or part of it at least, that takes place between Abigail and David. It says, when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. His name means a fool. And she's saying he's a foolish man. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord whom thou didst send. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord. Now what's she talking about? She's talking about the loaves and the wine and the sheep and the corn and the, and the raisins and the figs and the biscuits and the gravy and all that stuff that she brought. Says, let this, this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. So preacher, what are you getting at? Well, I'd say this, God repaid David's kindness with praise. Number two, God uh, repaid David's kindness with prosperity. I want to be careful of what I'm about to say here because I don't want to give you a wrong impression. The truth is, the greatest blessings that God gives us are not temporal. But I would say this, God will be a debtor to no man. David had had given this unto Nabal's men. And Nabal says, I don't care what you give. I ain't going to take what belongs to me and give to you. But you know what God did? God did an end around around Nabal and went and made sure that David was repaid monetarily for how he had invested in Nabal's security and in his safety. In fact, if you stop and consider, and there's some, some things we just have to guess at, I'm not going to do that, but... I, I Just knowing God the way I know Him, I would bet if you sat down and tallied up everything that she brought to David, I'd bet it was worth more than what David was even asking for in the first place. You know how God is? If we give to Him, He'll give back to us. But now when we give to Him, we, we give to Him like it's a bowl of popcorn. There's a bunch of air in it or a bag of Doritos. You ever buy a bag of Doritos and you got 90% air? I've got bags of Doritos that the air weighed more than what Doritos were inside. I'm serious. And that's how we give to God, you know. But you know how God gives to us? The Bible says, press down, <laughs> shaking together, 
Almost like you take something and you, you push it down and then you shake it, fill up every nook and every cranny. In other words, when God gives to us, He gives over and above the way we give to Him. He repays a hundredfold. Listen, the purpose in us giving to the Lord and the purpose in us showing kindness to others should not be because we believe God. It's not an investment strategy. It's not because we believe God's going to give us more than we, we give to others. Sometimes what He gives to you is not temporarily speaking. Sometimes He blesses you in spiritual ways and with things in life that you didn't anticipate. But I am saying this, God will be a debtor to no man and He made sure that everything David had done and given for Nabal, everything that he had given to him was repaid back to him. Uh, you know, you can trust God with your kindness. You know why people grow bitter? They get tired of trusting people that trample on their kindness. That's why they grow bitter. They get, they get stepped on, stepped on, stepped on, stepped on, and finally they just say, you know what, I'm done with that. I don't trust anybody with my generosity and my kindness any longer. But can I tell you, there's somebody you can trust with your kindness, and that's the God of glory. When what we do, we do as unto Him and for Him, He will always see to His business, and He will ensure that we are always repaid for what we've done. So I see God rewarded His kindness with prosperity. Let's look at another one. Look down in verse 28. Now, this is Abigail speaking, and, and she says this, I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord. And evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee. She's talking about Saul. A man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. That's an amazing phrase. I'm not preaching on it, but you ought to study it sometime. And the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou, which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood, and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hadst hasted and come to me, surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. Now, I love what's going on here, and I don't have time to really unpack all of it. But Abigail was a shrewd woman. She understood something about the egos of men. And when she approaches to David, there's, there's a few things she says that are deeper than just the surface of what we read. For instance, she comes and she says, uh, King, I've come to you and I'm so thankful that you didn't show up to kill all of us. <laughs> she sees how they're, she sees the swords on their hip. She sees the shield in their, in, in their hands. She sees the look in her. She knows they're there to kill, kill all. The, and she says, David, I'm so glad you've got more sense than to show up here and kill everybody. And then she starts to say this. You know, David, I know that you're a man of God. I know that you are a servant of God. I know you fight the battles of the Lord. I know that, that really the battles you fight, they're a lot more important than coming down and whooping some old sheep herder because he didn't give you what you want. 
I know that'd really be beneath you, David. And and I know that one day you're going to be sitting on the throne and, and God's going to throw all your enemies out, cast them out like a sling. I, I kind of wonder if she ain't talking about maybe that time that uh, David slew the giant. I, 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 let me say, this, I think she's kind of buttering him up a little bit. I think she's saying, oh, we've all, David, we've heard what great warrior you are. And, and you know, the way that you took that sling and whooped that giant, we all just stood around and we was amazed by that. And I know you're going to defeat all your enemies that way. And I know there's coming a day very soon that the Lord's going to establish you on the throne. He's going to put you on the throne. And and on that day, you know, it's funny. We're all going to look back and laugh at all this. He, he says, on that day, this won't be an offense to thee. This won't be a grief to thee. And she looks at him and says, you know, David, I am so glad you didn't come here to kill all of us. Because what a weight that would have been to your mind that you had shed innocent blood and that you had taken vengeance in your own hands. So David, I'm so glad you didn't show up here to kill every last one of us. She knows what she's doing. And David responds in appropriate kind. And I think he must have smiled when he replied because he looks at her and he says, you know, blessed be the Lord and blessed be thou. Uh, Blessed be your advice. Because Abigail, you know why I did come. You know I came here to kill every last one of you. And what a grief and what a shame that would have been. Now stop and think with me for a moment. Why is it that David has showed up to kill them? Because he feels like his kindness is wasted. In showing up to kill them, he was not exhibiting kindness. He was exhibiting vengeance. But now, it was the kindness of Abigail and the kindness in response of David to Abigail that caused him to turn around and to go back. That saved him that day from something that would have been a terrible stain upon his testimony. And I thought about this. You know, God rewarded his kindness with praise and with prosperity. But number three... God rewarded His kindness with protection. It was the kindness of David on this day after the Holy Ghost smote his heart and and used Abigail to sort of get his mind headed in the right direction. It was the kindness of David that kept him from wrecking his testimony and bringing shame to the God of Israel. And I thought, you know, one of the ways that God uses kindness in our life, it ain't just in doing good things for other people, it's, it's, it's protecting bad things from us. The kindness that we (coughs) show to others, uh, in that act of kindness, God is sparing us very often from performing and behaving in ways that would bring shame to the name of Christ. I'll tell you this, every time I get tore up, I do something i got to apologize to the Lord over. That's just the truth. When I get mad, when I get in the flesh, it ain't five minutes before I'm having to talk to God and say, Lord, that was dumb what I did. (laughs) God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But you know, when I make my mind up that I'm going to be kind, not because people are kind to me, not because I always get it paid back right there in that moment by the person I was kind to, but I'm going to be kind because it pleases God. There ain't no telling the kind of trouble that keeps us out of. One of the great rewards of kindness in our life is that it keeps us from behaving in a way that brings shame to the Lord. Let me notice another thing tonight. Look down at verse 36. (laughs) Excuse me. The Bible says, And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold... He held a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. But it came to pass in the morning, when the wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife had told him all these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And it came to pass about ten days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal 
upon his own head. We'll pause reading there. You know, God rewarded his kindness with praise, with prosperity, with protection. But I'd say this, God rewarded his kindness with punishment of his enemies. God did to Nabal what David was not able to do to Nabal. You know what David could not have done to Nabal? He could not have struck him down and made him lie in a sick bed and think for ten days about the way he had treated David before he slipped off and went into eternity. Beyond that, David, though he could have taken his life from him, he couldn't have stood on the other side of of eternity and been the judge that Nabal had to answer to. But God did all these things. Now, listen, I I don't think we ought to rejoice when, uh, when something bad happens to our enemy. But can I just point out, David did rejoice when something bad happened to his enemy. He did. He said, blessed be the Lord. And you know, the way he says it, I don't think he's so tickled necessarily that Nabal has, has been killed. I think that's part of it. And I think he is probably justified in being glad that, that this wicked man has been uh, brought his just deserts. But notice how he says it down in verse number 39. Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal. You know what he says? I could have went and tried to fix it, but because I stepped back and waited, God went and did it for me. God went and pleaded my cause. And you know what he says? He said, and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. You know what David could not have done? He could not have exacted vengeance without soiling his own testimony and his own heart. But God was able to pour out vengeance upon Nabal in such a way that not only protected David, but promoted him and purified him and consecrated him. God taught David things through this. And there was not for one moment an unjust act or deed that was left unchecked. I'm saying this, God will deal with them better than we do. He will. He'll deal with them better than we do. The question is not will God deal with them, because i got news for you. He's going to straighten every curve. He's going to lower every mountain. He's going to raise every valley. He'll get to the ones that are the wrongs done to you. Uh, He'll get to the things that have happened to you. The question is not is He going to deal with them. The question is will we trust Him to deal with them. David, after some uh, reflection, steps back and he says, you know, I'm so glad I didn't take this in my own hands. It would have been so easy to do, but at the end of the day, God did it better than I ever could. You know, the problem with wielding the sword, right, is that uh, those that live by the sword, they die by the sword. It's a heavy thing to determine that you're going to be the judge over every man's life. But can I remind you, there is a judge over every man's life. And if we'll trust Him with the sword, you know, we'll find out He's always righteous in the way He meets out judgment. So He protected him or He rewarded this kindness uh, with punishment for his enemies. Let me show you one final one. I, I like this. I like the way this story ends. You might not, but, but I, I like this. Look at the end of verse 39. The Bible says, And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him to wife. And when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spake unto her, saying, David sent us unto thee to take thee to him to wife. And she arose and bowed herself on her face to the earth and said, Behold, let thine handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hasted and arose and rode upon an ass with five damsels of hers that went after her. And she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. So they had him a funeral, but right afterwards they had a wedding. And Abigail goes from being a widow to a fool to being the wife of a king. She then goes and marries David and becomes his wife. Now wait a minute, let's stop and think about this. Let's imagine David had got what he wanted. He shows up, his young men do, and he says, hey listen, we've been awful good to your men, Nabal, 
Uh, why don't you uh, repay our kindness with a little bit of wool and a little bit of, of meat, a little bit of milk and a little bit of sustenance? Let's imagine Nabal done exactly what I want to say. Well, you know, David, I've been looking for a way to repay your kindness. Let me glad. I'll load you up with anything you need and would have sent him away. And those men would have ate that food and consume that food and use that wool. And within a few days or a few weeks, they would have been hungry again. They would have been needful again. But now, God in David's life, He not only gives him everything that David asked for, but now He gives David the wife of the man that David was wronged by. Let me go a step further and notice this. You know, everything that had belonged to Nabal would have gone to Abigail, right? So I would say this, God rewarded His kindness not only with praise and and with protection and with prosperity and with the punishment of His enemies, but I'd say this, God rewarded His kindness with promotion. He goes from just asking for some small, simple thing. And you know what God did? I think this is amazing. God said, David, I don't want to give you that. I want to give you more than that. I know, David, all you're asking for is a little bit of wool and a little bit of, uh, of, of lamb and a little bit of... But David, I want to give you so much more than that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have this fella act like a fool to you. I'm going to have him be rude to you and mistreat you. But David, if you'll just be patient and kind and wait on me, here's what I'm going to do. You won't get some sheep, you'll get the whole flock. You won't just get some wine, you'll get the man's wine. Uh, you won't just get some uh, some help. You're going to get his whole house, David, if you'll just trust me to be the judge and the vindicator of your kindness. I'd say this, David, because he was kind to Nabal and he didn't exact vengeance. I don't know, I can't really speak to this, but I would say this, If David had killed Nabal, one, Abigail may not have been willing to become his wife. But number two, I kind of think David would have never had nerve enough to ask her. It would have looked like he was treating her like the spoils of war. Knowing David the way I know, I don't know that he would have done that. I think chances are, had he taken this into his own hands, he would have got what he asked for and nothing more. But God said, David, I want to give you so much more than what you've asked for. If you'll be patient and trust me, I'll turn this reproach of your kindness to your benefit and to my glory. And you know, God always does things exactly perfectly. God did more for David than David could have done for himself. And you know where it all started? David was kind to a person that did not respond kindly to him. David looked at him and said, I have wasted my kindness. But you know, I kindly bet that in the future years, sitting beside the fire, counting all of the sheep that he had and sitting beside that pretty wife, he probably thought, you know, that kindness paid off pretty well. I got pretty good return on that investment, Brother Ken, when I was kind to that old Nabal. And I would have never thought about it, but kindness, when we're kind to people for the sake of the Lord, for His glory, we find that kindness is never wasted. I wonder in your life and mine, this is probably true, we've probably been treated bad by folks we've been good to. It's easy to get bitter, isn't it? It's easy to get angry, isn't it? That's a natural response. And you say, well, preacher, you're trying to defend what they did to me. No. Uh, They may be just like Nabal, churlish and foolish, rude and evil. They may be taking advantage of you. But can I remind you there's a God in heaven that sees all, that knows all, and that rewards the obedience and faithfulness of His people. I'm not asking you to trust them. I'm asking you to trust the Lord. Because the kindness of the people of God, when it's given uh, as unto the Lord and for His glory and for His good pleasure, we find that our kindness is never wasted. Don't let that callous grow over your heart. You just keep on loving folks and being kind in the name of the Lord Jesus and with His help and for His purpose. And you'll find that God will take that kindness, reward it, and turn it to your good and His glory.
Let's bow together tonight as a musician comes to play. I don't know what the Lord may have spoke to you about. I, I know there's much in the Word of God that He could have said to our hearts and minds. But if God spoke to you about something, maybe it's a kindness you've shown to somebody that was not kind to you. Maybe somebody's been good to you and you've treated them like Nabal treated David. Maybe you've been discouraged at the wickedness and the ugliness of the world and it's been tempting to give up in being kind and showing the love of Christ to others. But whatever it is God may have spoke to you about, won't you meet Him in this altar and ask Him to help you with it and to let your life be a testimony and witness and be a conduit for the grace of God in people's lives. Father, bless this invitation. May it magnify the Lord Jesus. We ask it in His name. Miss Connie's going to play. The altar's open. What about you tonight? Has God spoke to your heart? If He has, find a place down here. Meet with Him. Let Him have His will and way in your heart.